Hi everyone, welcome back to the pod. I swear, I swear, this was supposed to be my Q&A episode, okay? But I really wanted to wiggle in one more interlude before we do that. Now, before I get into this particular episode, I just want to say that it is Black History Month, and I don't know about you, but for me, rest is my top priority. However, I just feel like the themes that I cover in this particular episode feel particularly relevant, especially as I think about the ways in which spiritual solidarity continues to shape the way that I show up in this work as a diviner, a spiritual care practitioner, and generally as someone who's been talking about this stuff publicly for the last couple of years. So that's how I'm arriving with today's episode. I'm generally very guarded about this kind of thing, about my private life, because I, you know, I don't want to participate in the circulation of trauma porn, especially if it's my own trauma. Like, I am not here for any kind of exploitation, including self-exploitation. So yeah, generally, I'm a pretty private bitch. (laughs) But I have to say, this doesn't quite feel like that to me. Um, I've had enough time to really like think about it, so it doesn't feel icky in that way. Just know that I'm in a much better place and have accessed the support that I needed to heal from the experience that I'm about to share with y'all. With that said, because I will be excavating some of my own experiences with anti-Black violence to give proper context to my story... If you're a non-Black person listening to this, and even more so if you're a white person listening to this, in the name of Harriet Tubman, I invite you, if you are able, right? Like, only you can gauge that. But if you are able, I invite you to monetarily contribute to this channel, to this work, to keep it accessible to Black spiritualists who I know listen to the pod and use it as a spiritual resource. I offer continuous, continuous gratitude to the folks who support this work through sharing, commenting, subscribing, following my Instagram account, reviewing the pod, and of course, of course, a huge thank you to the individual donors who have made it a point to really cultivate relational reciprocity with me. Okay, so now with those disclaimers out of the way, here's the story. About every, like, I don't know, 9 to 12 months... A little bit more frequently these days, but periodically I have what I can only describe as <laughs> an existential moment with either my art or with the concept of justice. One of those things, you know, just typical air science shit, right? Um, now, because I'm a Libra, I'm usually disinclined to record such moments and even less inclined to then like broadcast them to the general public. You know, I'd like to enjoy my crises in private. Thank you very much. But for whatever reason, I decided to record this one. So welcome to the abyss. (laughs) This recording was taken in December 2022 while I was on silent retreat in Joshua Tree, California. I was finally beginning to settle back into my skin after a grueling tower season that took place for me between December 2021 through to August 2022. Throughout this episode, 
I'll be alluding to my personal experiences with housing insecurity, the violence of gentrification, and I'll briefly mention the police and court system. As I tell you, not in like gross detail, but still I give you the gist of the story of an unfortunate encounter with a virulent, obsessive, obsessive, like girl, why are you so obsessed with me kind of obsessive, racist white woman who launched a six-month-long witch hunt, okay, like a literal witch hunt in my name, to accuse me of performing, quote, black magic on her. After I made numerous requests for her to fix a wall that was quite literally falling apart, peeling off, molding, leaking rain and radiator water, and just like literally like, it was an untenable living situation. Now, dear listeners, I'm a creative bitch, okay? I'm a creative bitch, but I cannot make this shit up, all right? Because the person that I'm talking about was a Nepo baby who held a position of authority in my apartment building at the time, and I say Nepo baby because it's just very clear when somebody's skill set clearly does not match the job that they have. And the only logical explanation for why they have the job is because they're somebody's kid, right? Or have some kind of like long-standing ties with wherever it is that they're getting their money from. And also her personal connection to the local police department was pretty much a dead giveaway for me. But anyway, because she held a position of authority as a building manager... The cumulative impact of her harassment and surveillance effectively pushed me out of my home of five years. This is, by the way, called a constructive eviction for those of you who are living in heavily gentrified areas. And, you know, thus setting in motion what can only be described as a litigious nightmare. That black magic, by the way, dear listeners, was my ancestor altar. That was her justification for terrorizing and surveilling me for eight fucking months. All I wanted was a hot girl summer. (laughs) Anyway, okay, while this episode is definitely about my personal encounters with what the legal system would deem religious and housing discrimination, but, you know, for me, for me, it's really just one of many stories about white women with too much power money, resources, and time. God, did she have the time. Um, And also not nearly enough regard for basic human decency or karma, for that matter. Yeah. Um, Really, it it was just another chapter in the book of white women (laughs) using every available resource to uphold white supremacy in the face of imagined threat. But anyway... After taking another listen a little over a year later to this recording that I had on my phone, and also being able to listen to it from a much more regulated space, this recording just feels eerily timely for me. Hence me popping on here to share a unplanned little bonus episode. Okay. It goes without saying that this is a very vulnerable share, so me nice. (laughs) Y'all are great. Y'all, y'all are really great. Um, I have been really lucky enough to have not had to deal with like 
silly bad faith arguments um but you know just putting it out there because the internet is wild as hell um this may very well be one of those like felt brave might delete later type of situations but i just feel like we've built enough rapport for me to be able to share this with y'all and i've also had enough time to heal from and integrate this experience which is important to me because i just want to be mindful right i want to be mindful about trauma dumping that's not what this space is for I wanted to share this episode in large part because, number one, with everything that's going on in the world and how elusive justice continues to be, I just feel like a lot of us may be grappling with the concept and also with the spirit of justice, right? Of getting in right relationship with her. And if nothing else, I wanted to just share the tensions that I regularly encounter as I navigate my own relationship to justice. And number two, I want to share this because this period in my life really highlighted for me the disproportionate risk that Black practitioners still, still face when publicly practicing our magic and our faith, whatever that may be. And, you know, I just thought that y'all should know. In hindsight. This was one of those experiences that I, I guess, <laughs> I would categorize as an initiation of sorts that really tested my faith and also my skill as a hoodoo. I mean, I never had to circumvent no shit like that before, okay? And it also continues to be a reminder of why my practice is irrevocably informed by anti-oppression work. Hoodoo was born out of spiritual solidarity, cultural ingenuity, resistance to white supremacy, and it's the materialization of the indomitable collective force that is the Black imagination. So, it only makes sense that my tarot practice and what I share here reflects this too. I dedicate this episode to all Black spiritualists, hoodoos, conjurers, healers, and medicine keepers who have had to go toe-to-toe with white supremacists because of what they believe and what they practice. This one goes out to all those who have lived to tell the tale, and I publish this in remembrance of those who didn't. Love you. Here's my story. desert, in the high desert, at Joshua Tree, on this silent retreat, and I'm finding that the hardest part of this silent retreat isn't not talking to other people, it's not talking to myself. (laughs) I talk to myself so much, so I'm on this little walk right now trying to get my body ready for lunch and I wanted to talk about justice today because I've been thinking a lot about it 
So, God, okay. Here's the thing about justice that I am experiencing a lot of internal conflict and tension around right now. And that is that because of the current systems of oppression that are at play that, you know, we have to navigate every day because of the way that things are set up. Unfortunately, for people like me, justice... Oh, there's a car. Unfortunately, for people like me, justice is something that is kind of elusive. Which is obviously an understatement. <laughs> um, you know, the more intersections of marginalized and oppressed identities you embody, the less likely it is for your humanity to be read as legible within this, this system that, you know, for all intents and purposes today, I'm going to be referring to, you know, as the justice system in the United States. And I've been having to really grapple with this tension around the justice that I know I deserve versus the justice that I know I have access to. And I've had to really reconcile, I mean, I'm still, I'm, I haven't reconciled this yet, but I've had to do a lot of just mental gymnastics around how I define justice in my own life. So this last year, I spent the majority of this year doing two things, or hmm, no, not two things, um, more than that, but there were a couple of really big things that were happening in my life, and one of those things was uh, having to navigate the legal system for the first time for just the most, I mean, I when I tell you the most asinine reason, I mean, I just, I can't even, oh, this is going to have to be a whole nother <laughs> um, session if I decide to talk about this publicly. But for now, let's just say I got into a legal scuffle with a white woman who 
you know, whose <laughs> role in my life was connected to my housing. And pretty soon, uh, it just like boiled over into a really fucked up situation. And like, we're not just talking about like, oh, this white woman like threatened to do something or whatever. Like she, she really did a lot. Um, <laughs> she really did a lot to compromise my physical safety, my emotional safety, my mental safety. Um, and it's, I, I can't, I, I can't even begin to talk about how all of this has really, I mean, it has just been one of the most spiritually trying times of my motherfucking life. <laughs> and in a lot of ways, I'm on the other side of it, but um, not quite there, not quite there. And I'm still working with, again, that tension around the accountability that I know I deserve, the justice that I know I deserve in this situation, and the justice that I know I actually tangibly, materially have access to. Like, there's just a really significant gap. And... And so I've had to just kind of reorient my relationship to this thing we call justice, you know? And uh, there were a lot of, I can only call them interventions, like straight up deus ex machina type shit, right? From my beloved ancestors. Um, there were several points of intervention that I experienced that I can, without a shadow of a doubt, doubt, name as ancestral interference. Because um, again, I was in a pretty fucked up ass situation. That wasn't really of my doing. I mean, more or less, I mean, to give you a quick overview... <laughs> More or less, I was subjected to a witch hunt by this incredibly racist white woman um, who just wanted nothing more than to harm me and used my... So for those of you who don't know, um, privately, I am a hoodoo practitioner. Um, that is how I live my life <laughs> on the day-to-day. -day. Um, I don't offer public services, but, you know, if we friends, then I might give you a couple of tips here and there. But anyway, um, so she just, like, felt really threatened by me and decided to trigger all of the machinations of the legal system including the police including the motherfucking fire department if you can believe 
if you can believe it. <sighs> Did all sorts of shit to try to drum up some kind of bogus case against me for more or less basically practicing publicly, you know? And, oh gosh, I don't want to veer... Y'all, I'm a triple air sign. You got to like reel me back in. Like there's no one. I'm just, I'm out here by myself. There's no one to reel me back in. So this is how I tell stories, okay? <laughs> um, that's why I need a script when I do these, you know, the the regular episodes. Anyway, um, without veering too far off, basically what I want to say is that she saw me practicing, felt threatened by it, decided to call the cops and the fire department and basically trigger all these machinations within the justice system dragged me through courts for months <laughs> um and just generally had my name in her mouth you know what i mean and anyway so throughout that process there were so many moments where I was like, <laughs> I was like, oh my God, like something really bad could have happened. Like when the fire department showed up to my doorstep, when the police department showed up to my doorstep, when she like did all sorts of things to trigger the court system to incriminate me for something that is just, like listen as a practitioner like being in right relationship to my practice means having a strong foundation for my morals and ethics around how I practice, okay? Being in good character is a part of my practice. <laughs> um, and, you know, for whatever reason, which I have my own ideas of, like, I think I know the reason, but for, <laughs> for whatever reason, she felt threatened, <laughs> And it, it reminded me of this, oh God, I don't know if it was like a TikTok or, oh my God, was it a Vine? I don't know. I don't know. But one time I heard this white lady on the internet say, the reason why white women are so threatened by women of color is because, and particularly black women, Um, I, I actually don't know if she said that part about black women, but like, <laughs> I'm inserting that here. But the reason why white, white women are so intimidated and threatened by people like me is because historically and culturally, a lot of the time white women don't get their power from themselves. Like, power is always something that is borrowed. And so seeing black women standing in their own power, despite everything, right? 
is it appears as threatening. You can't take it. <laughs> and listen, like again, for all intents and purposes, I didn't say it, okay? It was it was another white woman, and all I'm saying is that I don't think she's wrong. <laughs> um but anyway. So fast forward to today. So like everything that I've been telling you about has been that happened like spring or starting last winter throughout spring summer <laughs> and not fall it it ended in the summer um but you know and thinking about like okay <laughs> um you're not just gonna fucking play with me like that and not experience consequences right like that's and admittedly this fucking silent retreat is showing me how that statement is mm, a little bit egoic because like fuck are you doing fuck is you talking about like who the fuck do you think i am how dare you <laughs> like, um i don't know like i've said this before but like venus and leo like talk to me nice or don't talk to me at all like the fuck um I'm nice to people, like I'm kind, I'm kind, I'm kind, okay? I'm, I may not be like nicey-nice all the time, but I am kind as hell, and I know that to be true about myself. And the way this woman just tried to like, not only paint me as a completely different character based on a very racist uh, trope, um, <sighs> Like, there's a reason why voodoo practitioners like me, why we had to hide our practice under the cloak of Christianity, right? There's a reason for that. And so, basically, I'm taking all of this <laughs> into consideration. I'm taking my, my righteous rage um, on a walk right now to really get clear i'm trying to get clear on what it is this gap between what the fuck i know i deserve and what the fuck i know i'm gonna get is going to teach me and okay i'm gonna circle back to that thing around interventions all right so here's the thing there were a lot of moments in this situation where i really could have been hurt like, for real, for real. Like, for real, for real. <laughs> and in each of those instances, something happened where there was a clerical error or a delay or something that took place that, you know, like, slowly, that would slowly turn the situation right side up. And so as I grapple with this gap between what I want and what I know I can get, part of me wonders, like, did I already experience 
the, the justice that I'm going to get in this situation. You know what I mean? Like, did I already experience it? I mean, I think that, and that's why I'm having to like really consider what does justice actually look like for me in this situation? I don't fucking know. But what I do know is that I never had to see the inside of a courtroom for this. What I do know is that I no longer live in an untenable housing situation where I feel like like I can't just like walk outside of my door without being surveillance, literally. Where I can, you know, do my fucking indoor cardio workouts without being afraid of this this bitch concocting a story about how I'm trying to, like, obstruct construction in the apartment below by making noise. It was fucking wild, y'all. I mean, part of me thinks, like, you know, what justice can look like is actually telling my story because I know that that is the thing that they did not want me to do. I know that that is why (laughs) they decided to drop the whole motherfucking thing a day before our hearing, which, mind you, was already postponed twice. And thank God it was. I was so fucking mad when it was postponed the first time because, listen, I was ready. I was ready, okay? Like... (laughs) come on y'all know I got receipts you know I write these invoices (laughs) and these and this is where I'm talking about intervention right because like had these delays if they didn't occur so many other things wouldn't have happened to turn this situation into my to my favor know maybe justice is knowing that this bitch knows not to try it with me again (laughs) I don't know all I know is I talked to I've talked to enough lawyers to know that I'm not gonna get what I deserve out of this situation And again, because of how the law is set up, because of what is required to not just prove your story, but to like make your humanity legible within a system that's not designed to do that. But this illegibility is giving me the space to consider a different kind of justice. A justice that I know that I know can also meet my humanity with the dignity it deserves. 
And I don't think that I am going to experience that with the way shit is set up now, right? Like, that's just a reality. I'm not happy about it. I don't consent to it. But that's what I have to work with. And so maybe the justice, too, is in having my quiet back, you know, in being able to reclaim my peace, to be able to reclaim my time, to be able to reclaim my space. And, you know, really, really, I'm in a much better situation now than I was when all this shit was happening and also before all this shit was happening. The desert's like, yes, girl. <laughs> um, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. But what I do know is that I am tired. What I do know is that I don't want to give this bitch more of my energy you know what I mean for what for what god like my energy is so precious my peace is so precious my name is so precious and that bitch needs to keep it out of her dirty ass mouth you know And again, like, speaking to all this, this ancestral intervention, this kind of spiritual justice that I know that I'm on the receiving end of, like, that is undeniable to me. I recently had this, like, I don't know if you would call it, like, a, a revelation, but uh, insight. Okay, that feels good. I recently had this insight, this moment of insight, where I realized that all the ways in which I've been protected from harmful people in the past, especially as a kid, um, just like a little background um i was a i was definitely a latchkey kid growing up um very much under supervised uh but you know in that like i learned how to take care of myself but also was just like exposed to some shit that i really did not need to be exposed to and i had this realization recently that I was being protected by my ancestors. I mean, as, as a kid, like there's this very specific person that I'm thinking of who was really harmful to me, but also to the community that I was, that I was a part of, the community that was raising me. And I didn't think too much of it as a kid, but 
again, in thinking about all this justice stuff, it, it occurred to me like, oh, right. So right after he harmed me, I would say maybe a couple months to maybe a year and some change later. I don't, I don't know the exact timing of this, but what I know is that this grown ass man did something harmful to me. And a little bit later, uh, somehow he was removed from that community. And I'm not going to get into detail of it, but like something happened to him. Um, and he had to leave. <laughs> and in so many ways, like while I wouldn't wish what happened to him on people deliberately, what I can say is that I can't control how my ancestors seek justice. And I think that this is what we mean when we say just be careful who you fuck with, you know? But, you know, you put shitty energy out there, like it gets transmuted. Like, I'm not the only person who's transmuting energy. Like, I know that my ancestors are capable of that too. And so he got plucked out of that community for years until I was old enough to handle myself in a way that I knew that I needed to, um, to keep myself safe. But, you know, I think about that and, or I, I finally put two and two together recently where I was like, oh my God, like ancestors, was that you? And when I tell you the collective, well, <laughs> oh my God. Um, so all this to say, I don't know how, how the arc of justice is going to bend for me. There's, I, I already know that there's shit happening behind the scenes that like, I don't, I honestly don't need to know about right now. Like, and that's the thing is like, that's the thing. <laughs> we do not, we're not given information that is too soon for us to know because knowing something too soon can actually be fucking dangerous for us. You know what I mean? And so, like, I think about, like, if I would have known that information about how my ancestors done plucked someone out of <laughs> my, my community, which was, you know, my extended family, I was raised in community, um, in a village, and I'm really glad that I wasn't the one who had to remove myself at that time. But you know, like if I would have known or if I would have put two and two together then, I feel like I probably would have blamed myself in some weird ass way and like internalized that shit. You know what I mean? And that would have been harmful to me. And so I guess I'm just sitting with the gap and I'm trying to let it do its thing. And 
I trust that justice has already been served and will continue to be served. But I am a fucking human being and I want to see that shit happen. <laughs> I do. <laughs> but, um, But in case I don't, in the meantime, I'm going to have to work with this. I'm going to have to work with this gap. And right now, that gap is telling me that I've already experienced a lot of justice, a lot more than what a lot of people get. And do I want more? Oh yeah, I do. <laughs> of course I do. But in case I don't get more, I think this is a pretty good place to land. Thank you, dear listeners, for joining me for another installment of Tarot for the End of Times. The Q&A episode is coming out after this one, okay? Like, for real. So, please stay tuned for that. This is also your last call to submit any burning questions that you may have about the podcast, about tarot, about, you know, the craft, right? So, you can submit a question by following me on Instagram at snakeskin.tarot. Just DM me there. Please, no emails. You can also just plug in a question directly onto this episode if you're listening on Spotify too. So you got some options. I've been able to crowdsource a lot of beautiful, thoughtful, and just like wicked smart questions that I very much look forward to answering this month. So thank you so much to the folks who submitted their questions. I really appreciate it and I really appreciate you. Until next time, please take good care of yourselves and each other and we'll talk soon.